Okay, welcome to the Brew Theology Podcast. This is Ryan tonight. I am with Dylan, Janelle, and Diana. And Diana wrote the content tonight. So go to hell, Diana. <laughs> hey, yeah. you too. Yeah, awesome. So sweet. Yeah, what what the hell is this? This is this topic is this is a loaded topic. We'll have fun. Before we dive into this, just a reminder for those out there, if you want to join the Brew Theology Network, you can do that. Go to brewtheology.org and find out the different ways in which you can partner all the way from I think there's like the wheat level all the way to the barrel aged. Double barrel. Double. Whiskey, yeah, barrel it's aged. it's a lot of fun. Beer. You you could sign up for as little as five dollars a month. That's right. And do this in your community. That's a lot of fun. Or if you just want to like say, hey, these guys are doing good stuff, and you want to throw down some coin, you could give us you five do. bucks a month. Yep, on Patreon we have it all set up. So a dollar a month, five bucks a month. If you really really love us, fifty bucks a month would be spectacular. Only because we have hosting charges that we're just trying to get covered. So any support you can give is super appreciated. And you could buy the beer for the podcast. That would be good. Yeah. See, all kinds of things you could do. Or, or you could, like, it could be a brewery out there and you want to sponsor us. Oh, yeah. If you're we'll out there you and you want to mail us some brews, like, we can talk about you and give you some Instagram love and do all the things to push people towards you. So, this is what happens when two weeks ago I was afraid to talk about finances. <laughs> And then you, you guys pushed me over the edge. So here I am. Show me the money. No. We're just kidding. We are a little bit. A little bit. We would yeah. like at some point but to like if be you just, solvent. If you just mooch off this podcast, you can go to hell. Yeah, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. We're talking about that tonight. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Brew Theology, along with Twitter, Brew underscore Theology. And the rest is... It's, it's just and some, we are somewhere still up on Facebook, even yeah. though we don't know what they know about you. We don't know what they know about us, but we're still there. So you can join us if you're still there, too. So we will do our intros per norm and then do the guidelines and go over these different religious hells. So if, if you've listened before, you know my story. So I'm Ryan. I grew up Southern Baptist, evangelical. I deconstructed that for the last 20 years doing ministry and have gleaned from Anabaptist, the Methodist the Jewish tradition in the first century, and some Pentecostal mystical stuff, along with some gleanings from process philosophy and liberation theology. So I'm an evolving big tent Jesus guy. Regardless of what they say about me out there, I'm still a Christian. So I'm an evolving Anabaptist Methodicostal follower of Jesus. Processy as well. I feel like we partner with God in this uh, unfolding universe. I'm Janelle. Uh, I was born and raised in the Church of the Nazarene and uh, left that about almost six years ago now. And I'm pretty happy with the label progressive Christian. Uh, I do think progressives are Christians if they want to be. And uh, just love doing this thing and uh, making space for everyone to have great conversations around faith and belief. Uh, hi, I'm Dylan. Um, I grew up like Ryan uh, as a Southern Baptist and then a backslid and uh, became an Episcopalian. Uh, burn, burn, burn. <laughs> right in a, a burning wing of fire. Um, and so I, I'm still to this day, I'm Episcopalian and uh, I like it. It's a, it's a, a more progressive approach to Christianity. I'm Diana and grew up uh, Jodo Shinshu Buddhist, and I am still Jodo Shinshu Buddhist. I am now a minister at the temple I grew up in. Yeah, the the one person who's got like the cool label is like, well, you've been that your whole life. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you get to go to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Yeah. 
Buddhist oh, wait, heaven. Do you oh, do, have do, that? Are we going to yeah, talk about Buddhist heaven? <laughs> we, we should. That would be fun. Yeah. So conversation <laughs> guidelines, no soapboxes allowed, meaning that you can be passionate. Please be that. But nobody gets the last word. Respect all others and their viewpoints. Extend courtesy by listening well. And everything's up for discussion. So lots of rabbit trails. Occasionally we will... We'll bring it back, or Dan, who is the amazing Brew Theology Podcast totally awesome. editor, will just take that out, so we can have rabbit trails. We it, can, but we still can't be a jerk, because he'll cut us out if we are. Yep. I, I, I think he has done that before. Yeah, probably. We've broken our own rules. <laughs> <laughs> we, should, we should actually, one of these days, like have the sort of like the... The jerk button. The, the, blo- the blooper reel, <laughs> and including not just the things that like, oh, I shouldn't have said that, but some of the discussions that got heated. And yeah, I'm not going to mention names, could. but there might have been somebody in this room and, you know, <laughs> he's gotten into a heated discussion. Never. Somebody around me. <laughs> so it would be really cool if they just left it in there and just you just put like a big long beep for the entirety of it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we're all better behaved probably at the pub with all the other people. Possibly. Yeah. I we'll I we'll what try that's to about. behave tonight because we don't want to go to hell. Speaking of, we're going to dive into these five hells, and we'll read this material. It's very succinct, and then we'll dive into these questions. So Hinduism is the first one. I bet you didn't know Hindus had a hell. Well, if you were raised Christian, you probably didn't. (laughs) So it says that early Vedic traditions refer to hellish states of mind that occur within the lives of human beings. There is, however, also the understanding that the soul is eternal, and therefore it's possible to have woeful rebirths as Worms and insects, stuff like that. It's based on one's karma or actions. Later, medieval traditions see the rise of Mara, king of the dead, who presides over the gates of death and assigns people their fates. Punishments are handed out according to the specific misdeeds of the soul in question. The Garuda Purana gives that is probably not a Purana. See a big Purana? But <laughs> the Garuda Purana gives a very detailed account of hell and its punishments, which include being dunked in boiling oil, burned by incessant fire, and stabbed with various weapons. Not fun. These hells are not permanent, however, and once the spiritual debt is paid, the soul moves on. On to Buddhism. Uh, Buddhist cosmology draws its inspiration largely from Hindu cosmology, and the concept of its hells is very similar. Hell is the lowest of the six realms of existence, is also temporary, and the punishments suffered also cater to the misdeed of the soul in question. There are sutras which describe the existence of eight hot hells, eight cold hells, and four neighboring hells. Punishments in hell. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, if we're going to do it, we do it big. That's (laughs) yeah. (laughs) So the punishments here include fire, swamps of corpses, a grove of swords, a forest of spikes, cauldrons of molten iron being cut apart by demons, and a specific hell, the blood bowl hell, where women go for a period of time, no pun intended, due to their general ickiness. It sounds like Tolkien maybe was Buddhist. (laughs) (laughs) It could very well be. Like they definitely treat women very badly in Buddhist hell, just like, uh, oh, wait, on Earth. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's see what Judaism brings us. The most common understanding of the afterlife in Judaism is Sheol, underworld, world of shadows, state of forgetfulness 
where all the souls of the dead go. Around the second temple period, the idea of the end of days becomes and gains interest in Ezekiel 37, 1 through 14, and Daniel 12, 2, wherein the dead will rise and be judged. The wicked go to Gehenna, or Gehinnomum, the place of punishment, which refers to the valley of Hinnom, a garbage dump or trash, and the bodies of those who died in sin were buried. It was also said to be the place where children were sacrificed to the god Moloch. This is not a permanent space for most. Twelve-month sentences, the standard mourning in Kadash period, are imposed in contemplation and repentance are supposed to occur, after which all but the most wicked will go to the Garden of Eden or Sheol, non-existence. Punishments are separation from God and being burned in fire. All right, let's talk Islam. I'm going to butcher the pronunciations here. I'm sorry. After death, all souls pass over Az-Sirat, the bridge over Jahanan, which is hell. Those who deny God, rebel against his law, or reject his messengers are unable to cross the bridge and immediately fall into the lake of fire. Jahanan, rather than being guarded by devils or demons, is presided over by angels. Hell is said to be immeasurably large with limitless capacity. Quran 50.30, On that day we will ask hell, Art thou filled? And it will answer, Nay, is there yet more for me? And has seven levels, six hot and one cold, each having specific punishments for specific misdeeds, with the lowest being reserved for hypocrites. Punishments include separation from God, the condemned wear clothing of fire and liquid pitch, and have scalding water poured over their heads. They eat from thorny tree and drink scalding water, which tears up their guts. They are also fed pus and decaying skin. They immediately forget all the good in their lives, are chained and yoked, dragged on their faces to their punishments, and weep so much that their tears run dry and they begin to weep blood. Who wants to go there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then we have Christianity. So where do we begin? Start with Left Behind and maybe read some Revelation. And I don't know. Oh, oh, oh. Who's the, the preacher, the famous preacher dangling you over Hell's Flames? Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards. That should about cover it. You think? Yeah. And we can thank, uh, you know, Dante's Inferno and mm. then that... Mm-hmm. That really took hell to another level, and several other levels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I. So yeah, we we will we will bring the Christian hell back into this conversation. So Diana, obviously, when you wrote this, this is very succinct. This is an overview, and this doesn't speak uh, for everyone in these traditions, right? Yeah. So I'm just kind of curious as we get going, uh, what aspects of these religious hell specifically, and we can st- we can even start at Hinduism and then just move our, way, move our way down before we get into our own interpretations. Like, what's interesting about the Hindu hell? And then we'll move to Buddhism and so forth. And we'll kind of keep this part short, but do you find anything about that that's intriguing? Well, if I ever have a piranha, he's going to be named Garuda. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, we have not been drinking yet. <laughs> the Puranas are religious texts. All right. <laughs> and Garuda was a giant kind of bird that uh, I believe it was Shiva rode the Garuda. So Tolkien again, not quite a piranha, <laughs> but it did have a very pointy beak. So. Yeah, you know I really like the the Hindu version of hell because it's uh, we were discussing this at our table the other night. Is that 
a lot of these different hills are, they're just pure punishment, right? Um, and Hinduism is really more of like rehabilitation, it sounds like to me, because you know, you're reborn as a worm. Okay. Is that, is how much of a punishment is that to be reborn as a worm? You don't know necessarily that you were reborn as a worm. You're just a worm and that is what it is. And you can probably upgrade yourself as you continue to be reborn and learn the lessons over again. So it's, it's just a cycle. And it's a, uh, it seems to me like that it's a, a positive reinforcement sort of thing rather than, um, you know, you were bad, you're going to burn forever. Yeah, it definitely seems more lenient, and especially in our 21st century Western culture. If I'm going to pick one, that might be one of the ones I want to pick. I don't think you get a choice, but you can believe that because you're going to hell Am anyway. I, so do you go to these hells if you don't believe in them? I don't know. I mean, the Christians yeah, think we'll everybody goes to hell. So. I don't want to be stabbed with weapons. That part does not sound fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, burned by incessant fire after being dunked in boiling oil. But then, I mean, the next one's the blood bowl. So I think women are just screwed all the way around. (laughs) (laughs) But once your spiritual debt is paid, hey, you know, like like Dylan was saying, you move on. You can move on and be a man next time. Exactly. (laughs) Which is a preferable rebirth in these two traditions. So So how about Buddhism? For all like serene and like elevated the the kind of the cultural image of buddhism is this is really violent yeah yeah there were a lot of people that seemed to be kind of shocked that there was a concept of hell at all in buddhist tradition but yeah it's uh there is a link that i put on the back there with the questions that go to what is called taizong's hell scroll so you can have super fun clicking through all the different hells and seeing what is what is available for your soul after you die. A catalog of hells. Uh, a catalog. Precisely. Precisely. <laughs> this is luxury hell. <laughs> well, and they certainly, use, I mean, there was a tradition, and for all I know, still could be idea that's close to like the selling of indulgences. So. There were a lot, especially like the countries that adhere to that, uh, the filial piety thing very strictly that monks and priests would show up at your house with the scroll of hells and the scroll of the pure land, which would be the opposite of hell and kind of explain to you that if you give so much to the temple, your mother's time saying the blood bowl hell will be shorter. And things like that. So these were, yeah, these were similarly used to scare people into hand and dough over to the temples mm-hmm. and things like that. Mm. Humans are so unique. Right? Right? Yeah. It's <laughs> I do like that there's the the cold and the hot. I mean, because we Cold, all... for sure. Oh, absolutely. That cold would be my sure. hell, 100%. Yeah. I mean, it's creative. I'm like, it's, I've, never, I've never lived in the Midwest, but Lauren, my wife, is from Minnesota. And so she's like, Ooh. you have no idea what a cold winter is like, Ryan. So I feel, feel like as a Texas boy, like, oh, it gets really hot, but I think I can handle the heat more than the cold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. You know, in uh, Norse mythology, actually, they, they're hell, they actually use the same word hell, but with only one L, but it's not a place. It's the God who presides over and, and that realm is cold. That's, that's the bad mm-hmm. place you don't want to go to is the cold place. Mm. I'd rather be cold. You'd rather be cold than hot? Yeah. Oh. What about like frostbitten? 
Yeah. That cold. You go Some numb. of those images, those yeah. guys are like stuck in blocks of ice instead. It's horrifying. It's like my worst nightmare. Because right, after a while, we, I mean, like when you have, you know, your cold burns, just like you have heat burns. So it's the same. At the end of the day, you're suffering. Yeah. And they're not going to let you just fall asleep peacefully with your, no. <laughs> with your frostbite. I want you to feel that. Right. And then, you know, while you're at it, let's put a corpse in your direction <laughs> to ick you out a bit. Maybe pour some blood on you. But not hot blood, cold, cold <laughs> blood, Ooh, Fargo blood, and put her in the wood chipper. <laughs> now Ew. we're getting dark. Everybody has an image now. So Judaism, moving on. Anything there? I do like the the Jewish one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mostly I, because they don't really believe in it. Yeah, I really like the the whole Jewish idea that there's um, this non-existence like when your debt is paid if you were a bad person you just cease to exist you don't you don't rot in hell forever right or then you you know you go to heaven which they i I didn't realize that they were mentioned the garden of eden as being kind of the the heaven existence that's kind of cool this this is all about like the age to come and this is all referred to in the new testament as well so it's, it's kind of interesting that christianity made such a jump from its own text rooted in judaism when the things that Jesus talks about and you see in the Gospels are really all about the Valley of you know Hinnom and Gehenna, all these this language that's here, it's I mean this is the, this is the short of it, but I mean ultimately like the the resurrection of the last things, the world to come, and yet the punishment stuff wasn't supposed to be forever. It's twelve months, mm-hmm. which is really just a symbol in Jewish the Jewish world. Twelve is this complete number, twelve tribes of Israel, and then. Like, if, if you're not purified, well, I guess you just don't want to live on anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's really, but that's up to the person. It's not really up to the God. God's not doing it. Whereas I think in other traditions, maybe in our own tradition growing up, God was in control of that hell. Even though Satan was the only one not being tormented in that hell. Like, was he in charge or God was in charge? I don't know. I don't know. Right, right. Yeah. Anything else in Judaism? I mean, I would also the one of the things that because I've studied a lot of this too within Judaism is that the idea of this punishment and this afterlife didn't even come into existence in, until uh, you had the Jews in exile, and then the sages were trying to figure out words of hope and images of of justice. And so, all, I mean, this was all rooted in, in justice, and we'll probably get to that. But you have the entire Hebrew scriptures written, and there's no there is no hell. It's right here. It's it's the word Sheol, right? The underworld. It's just you're dead. All right, Islam. looks looks pretty dark. This it's it's pretty dark. I don't want to eat pus. Yeah, that was gross. <laughs> I know. I just saw this this image of pus eating. It's, it's very similar to the Christian hell. So I I find it very interesting that both Christianity and Islam came out of Judaism, and they they see they're the only two in here that have eternal hells, and both of those hells look very very similar. Yeah, so the three of us in here who grew up Christian, and I know there's there's so much that we could talk about. I don't want to over over extend this in this specific element because there's so much more within this conversation to be dealt with. But like, what was your your version of of hell that you grew up with, outside of like the jokes of you know that we said earlier? Yeah. But how and how and how did you go there? What was? I think that as a younger kid, it was. Like just a burnt burning being on fire, a burning pit that you're on fire the whole time. That was probably the early conception of it. Um, 
And then I don't know what the only thing that sticks out is like, since we lived through the age of left behind, like God sends you there. And the only way out is that you perform well and don't sin. So like, it's all on you if you end up in hell. So for me growing up, it was very similar to that. It was um, this, you know, big, you're on fire all the time sort of thing. Um, But it was, you have to be saved. It doesn't matter. You can sin all you want, but you have to be saved. And you have to be sure that you're saved because, you know, you might get saved. Quote, I'm using air quotes right now. You can't see that, but I'm using air quotes right now. Uh, you can, you know, get saved and not actually be saved, which is a, an odd concept to or me. Or get saved and fall away, and then you're not saved. Yeah, right. Um, then there's the once saved, always saved, but yeah. only God decides that. You never know. Yeah, it's one of those. I, I feel like it's a it's a tricky situation that contradicts itself very often. But that was pretty much all you had to do to go to hell is not get saved. Um, and they were, I mean, growing up as a kid, and this is one of the things that I find very interesting about this conversation is they were graphic about that in church as a small child. Like they they didn't hide that uh, even very young. And I think it's. I think that's bad psychologically for people to grow up yeah. hearing that all the time. It, it definitely leaves a scar on you, you know? So showing my age, uh, we, I saw a screening. I don't remember the name of the movie, but in it, it's about revelation. Oh, and a thief in the night, a thief in the night. And there's a guillotine and you watch this little girl get her head chopped off. And like every, my, the pastor said like, Oh, this is good. Safe family viewing. Yeah, I didn't sleep for months. Like it's like a horror film. It was awful, and but that. So then there's also that. Like, well, if Jesus comes and you're not saved and you don't get taken, then you're gonna get killed. So you better make sure you're saved. Yeah. Going back to what Dylan said, and that that was just it. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved which is a verse that Paul writes in Romans taken out of context with the entirety of the whole letter. And next thing you know, it's like waving the magic wand or it's the altar call when the pastor's using those verses and you come forward and you just got to say that and you're good to go. Now you're no longer going to hell. Now, whether it was like the flames of hell or it was now it's become more of that, well, you're just separated from God. Right. So that, that's become like the, the new modern kind of like feel-good version of hell. Yeah. <laughs> modern feel-good version of hell. <laughs> <laughs> just think about that statement for just a second. I mean, you, you had to sort of like tame this down because you realized this was written thousands of years ago, these understandings of hell or, or hundreds for some. And then, well, yeah, if you're still going to keep true to your dogma and you don't want to lose your tribe, because if you lose hell, you're going to lose a lot then you, you might as well make it palatable for people, I guess. So, so if God is like love and good and holiness and all the things that you, you want, you know, you want to be united with God, you can no longer be in the presence of God. So that would be hell, according to this understanding. Am I, am I, I think bit, so. Well, this off? just made me look at this. Like all of these things and these descriptions are cultural items. They're like what horrible life was like two, three, I don't know how many thousands of years ago. So like, what, what would we, maybe how would we describe hell now? Like if we had to like rewrite a description of hell, what kinds of things in our world would mustard gas, mustard gas. Mm, Yes. Racism. Yeah. I mean, I would say uh, this is going to, this is going to be pretty intense, but I mean, any kind of like rape or assault. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. 
even somebody who is chronically mentally ill and they're homeless living on the streets and then they have that you know it's that it's cold like that nice out in denver where it's freezing and there's you know they're losing limbs and things like that and you're like man that that just sounds like hell Mm -hmm. that happened to me once this was uh, not me personally but when i was downtown in denver gosh this was back in like 2001 and at the time i was a youth pastor and i took all of our teens down there to go to the mission and we were just helping out the you know giving them food and kind of loving on them and of course then the question was why are you down here well i had my evangelical answer and so it was really about you know jesus and the gospel and the whole nine yards so then he kept kind of backing me in the corner of like so what's this really about, you know, and, and ultimately, like I, I'd said, well, it's just about salvation. And so you can go to heaven so that you're not in hell. I mean, that's, it came down and I remember him looking at me saying, you know, Sonny, like this is hell right here. I mean, living downtown in Denver, this is hell. Mm-hmm. And that stuck with me for years until I finally then, you know, I deconstructed it and I started reading about like, where is hell from? Is it, is this even real? Historically, mm-hmm. how did we come to this? But yeah, I think people live in hell in hell every day here in our own, our own city. Yeah, I've got to wonder about that. If if somebody has that kind of life, like their entire life, right? They grew up homeless. They've always been homeless. They are just imagine the worst of situations that can go through that. Do they get credit for that when they die? You know, <laughs> if you've already lived a lifetime of hell, does that mean maybe you get a little bit less hell when you die? If you were <laughs> a I, I'm hell. just I'm curious about that. Well, survey says nope. <laughs> wow. I mean that that would be if I were God, and I'm not God. I wish I were, but. Um, if I were, that would I would be like, well, at least here's some credits, you know, on your account. Um, put it in we'll, the ledger. Uh, we'll get you. Yeah, we'll 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 put you in the first level of hell instead of <laughs> down in the lake of fire. Yeah, if you're if you're listening to this and you want to have a little fun, come on to the Brew Theology page on Facebook and tell us what do you think your modern um, meanings of hell would be, and let's let's have a little discussion there. Trolls not invited. Yeah, so what would be your understanding today based on what you know historically and your traditions? And then now here you are, 21st century, it's 2018. Like your Buddhist hell, Diana, is different from the Christian hell and all of our different versions there. But have you reconciled a version of hell today? Is there one that you go, oh, this is, this is real? Well, our particular tradition, we never mentioned hell. I actually was more terrified of Christian hell because when kids I went to school with told me I was going there, it sounded real scary, but we had no concept of it in the Jodoshinshu tradition. So yeah, like it was kind of, you can create it yourself just fine while you're living. So yeah, so we never really talked about it. What do you guys think uh, about the the recent revelation that the Pope seemed to dismiss the idea of hell? Did, did you guys read about that? I have a feeling that guys like that, and most probably ministers and of any level, probably don't believe in these things that we're talking about, but they affirm them in order to keep things afloat in their traditions. So he probably made like a, I don't know, kind of a Freudian slip and then he's like, what did I say? Oh my gosh, my, he's, you know, going back to like this unconscious theology, right? Like he's never probably believed it ever, but I'm like, all those people said, well, he really didn't mean that. Here's what he meant. Yeah. Cause not, the whole world's not there yet. It's, it's like when, you know, any kind of deconstruction and reconstruction that you do in your faith, 
you got to realize like if you're if you're doing it with you and a few friends then you look outside of that bubble you go oh man the whole mm-hmm. world is they're nowhere near where i'm at mm-hmm. this could destroy their faith yeah yeah so i think the catholic church probably was just trying to wrangle them back in and say no this is this is Really, what he meant. I mean, Not to be, they do that a lot with that Pope. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, one of the things that was scariest for me was in my middle teenage years, like fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. I had some serious, serious anxiety about what if it's all not true. Like, what if it's nothing? What if you die and it's nothing? That's it. Like you're dead, and the timeline goes on, and a million years from now, or. 50 million years from now, the sun eats the earth. Like there's nothing. And I think that that has been in some ways more has caused me more stress than necessarily going to Christian hell, because I think for Christian hell is so there's so much that I cannot do to fix it. Like if God decides I'm going to hell, I'm going to hell. There's nothing I can do. There's no reason to be afraid of it because obviously I must have earned it or something. Um, but the thought of like, of nothingness has been, has been terrifying at different times in my life. And and I know that we haven't touched on this, but annihilationism within Christianity is actually, it's, it's becoming a more popular idea of, of the afterlife where you see it in Judaism, but it's not, it's definitely like a minority within Christianity. And, and, but in a way you, Maybe that's, it frightens you, but it might not be that bad of an idea because if you're annihilated, you're unaware that you're annihilated. Except that all the fun people are going to hell and I just, I think we deserve to party without all the judgment. Right? Yeah, yeah. I hear you. <laughs> Would you party with Hitler? Oh. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's where it gets difficult. Mm, yeah. Well, they're in a different part of hell. Okay. Yeah, as you can see, there are all kinds of different levels and rooms. Right, there. right. right. So. You know, Trump, Hitler, and Putin, they're all going to be in their own room. We don't have to go there. That sounds like the worst place. That You know, somebody who's like really, really bad, but not that bad, is going to be put in a room with them because being in a room with them is going to be that it's person's gonna be personal hell. hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. See, now that just complicated everything because what if they put like the really good people in that room to like try to move them up a level or like, I don't know that just, you just opened a whole door of like thought things. A can of reincarnated worms. Yeah. Would you say? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so what, what about this other idea that if, if God, if, if you within the Christian sort of tradition, you have this God who is love. And that's, that is the foundational, like culminating, like trait of God, of all the things that God is, God is love. So God doesn't want people to perish. And and within the person of Jesus, Jesus is a nonviolent, puts them, like, he's not putting people on a cross. He's being put on a cross. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So if that is a trajectory of this God who bless your enemies, you know, bless those who persecute you, forgive them, don't fight back. And then you have this version of hell that seems to be like, wait, all of a sudden, like this, this is this God now bipolar? Because the Jesus guy in this first century seems to be living shalom and peace on earth. So let's just say that if the, if there is any kind of hell in this trajectory of the Jesus movement, that uh, it moves people towards 
peace. It moves people towards love. So it's, it's a, hell is not a permanent place. It's a place like these other faiths that we've talked about here in these religions and that it, it moves you to a restorative justice. Like it's how the, the, the penal system should be in America, that, but it's not. And we all know it's not. So what if we look at it that way? They're like, yeah, this is like a justice thing. And you've, you know, you've made these choices. This isn't your true self, but hell moves you toward your true self. But do you get to find redemption? And I think that's, that would be the point. If you look at the whole Jesus narrative. That, okay, that's, but you had a whole lifetime to find redemption. Why didn't you get around to it? Well, okay, so what, let's say you have 12 years or 20 years or 80 years. Like, that's still not a lot compared to eternity. I don't know. To be really honest, I want a break from trying so hard. (laughs) (laughs) Like being a perfectionist is a kind of hell. It really is. Or being someone that's actually oppressed, not just by ideals of perfection, but someone that's actually oppressed, that's lived that life, probably, you know, possibly as as a believing Christian, like... So then for whatever reason, they end up in hell and they have to keep trying. Like, I don't know that, that, I mean, for the really bad people, sure. But like then, but they, do they deserve just, do they deserve to be saved? I don't know. This is kind of my beef with the shack. Like I get that I see a limited amount and I don't see the whole story, but if you're like a serial killer of children, I, I mean, God can be God. God can do God. That's great. But like, I don't really want to even know about that, to be honest. There has to, there, if the arc of the world bends towards justice, then we have to have some justice somewhere. Don't we? Yes, and I think maybe if hell can be a, a, a system of justice and it's restorative justice, so it moves the rapist and the child abuser and the uh, the the dictator, all these people that we think of like, oh, But how are we no going to test that out? Do they come back and do it again? See if they do it better the next time? I don't know. I mean, what, I, I mean, don't know. What, you can I, say all the shit you like. A, a narcissist in hell would be like, dude, I got this. Like, I'm all better. I swear I'll be the best of the best. Well, ideally, you know, the, the, the folks running hell would know whether that was a lie or not. You would you hope know. the folks running hell. Are those <laughs> angels or demons? Because there's Who's disagreement. this place? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who is running this place? Is God in control down here? It just seems like Satan's just having a good time, and so yeah. he's not really running the show. Because, I mean, the, the Islam says it's angels. It's guarded by devils and demons as in, and is presided over by angels. I don't think the Jewish one tells us. Buddhism, who presides over Buddhist hell? Do you know? Um, there's a guy at the door who has everybody's record, and then the the guys who deal out the punishments are little little demon devil demons. Okay, yeah. and then in Hinduism, Mara, the king of the dead, he actually has a name, so it's all Mara's fault. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> finally, we've got a guy to blame. Yeah. <laughs> Of course, it's a man. Oh, so, wait, shouldn't it be a woman? Uh, so, Janelle, from what I'm understanding, is it you, you to a degree actually like an idea of hell? You think that there's you're a justice person, that's part of your gifting. If we have to have hell, like to be really honest, like I'm not much use in this conversation in the real world because <laughs> like we're never gonna fucking know what the answer is, right? So I don't know. I think that that's actually where my journey has brought me. Like, Mm -hmm. 
we don't know how we don't know the end of the story. We're not going to know. Mm-hmm. And I'm not gonna, if I'm annihilated at death, I'm never going to know. If I'm sent to punishment, hopefully some of my friends will be there. Um, but if not, like like we're never going to know and there's nothing we can do about it. Mm-hmm. I would love for it to be justice. But even still, I'm never going to know. I don't know that that may sound really like hopeless, but yeah. I, I, that's why I just don't spend a lot of time in this kind of theology just because there isn't an answer. Mm-hmm. I mean, left behind made a shit ton of money, but there's still no answer. <laughs> and then they had to bring Nick Cage in for the remake. I mean, I love Nicolas Cage, but not that way. He was hurting. He needed some yeah. money. <laughs> See, that's the thing. Like, talk of hell and damnation is a great way to scare the shit out of people and bring them to God. It's a great way to control people's behavior, and it's a great way to make money. Okay, none of those things have anything to do with the justice of a God who loves his people. Hmm. And so, I don't know, it just it leaves me feeling really empty. Yeah, this is, I mean, this is a religion, which means it's created by... Well, let's just say men, not even women. This is created by men on their understanding of what is right and what is wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the second question here that Diana has is really good because based on your own understanding of hell today, how has that understanding or not affected your relationship to your own religious and spiritual tradition and tribe? Well, <laughs> uh, for me, that I think was... I. Not like the motivator, but at least a motivator in that um, it kind of showed me true colors as to why I left the Southern Baptist Church, went to the Episcopal Church. Um, it, I, you know, the scare tactics of it. Just at, at some point after you see it for long enough, maybe I guess not everyone. Obviously, not everyone does, but uh, I certainly got to the point where I was just like, I see through this, you know. I'm being scared into staying here and giving my money and my time and and bringing more people into this is a pyramid scheme, <laughs> you know, based on scare tactics. And, you know, we were watching movies uh, about, you know, people dying in car accidents. And we would my, my high school didn't really believe in separation of church and state. So we had people coming into the high school, um, you know, talking about it's Alabama, guys, you know, yes, <laughs> Alabama um, and talking about how you know, their child had died in an accident and trying to get people saved in the high school gym because they didn't know if their child was saved. And, and so eventually you kind of go, I don't know about all this. I'm going to start, you know, digging into this a little bit more. And it really has, it's a tell because the church that I'm at now, I think since I've moved to the Episcopal church, I've been there for something like five or six years now. And, um, Hell might have been brought up like three times, probably ever the entire time I've been there. Um, And I feel like it's a much more pure faith because of that, because I'm not scared into being there. I'm there because I genuinely want to be there. And, and, you know, they're focused on doing good in the world. I I don't know if that means that the priest doesn't believe in hell. Um, She very well may, but, you know, it, it doesn't really matter because we're focused on what we can do in the world right now more than um, you know what's going to happen when we die let that take care of itself <laughs>